Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by on this July 4th. Bang, 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 bang. Wow. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly. And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments on this 4th of July about your landscape, your house plants, or whatever it happens to be, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes. Do I look like an antique? You look (laughs) mid-century. The reason why I'm asking is because there's a a new uh, place... You know, that's uh, Antique Malls. Yeah. That uh, in the hill on Daggett. Okay. And so we were there. We like to, since the museums are closed, we go to the Antique Malls. Same thing. Museums. Kind of same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I was walking, and all of a sudden, I look over in a corner in this one vendor's mm-hmm. booth. There's one of my books at the Antique Mall. Is it Mall. really? Yes. So I am so old. I am an antique. <laughs> my well, God, this is yeah. frightening. Well, congratulations. You've lived to be antique. <laughs> Some people don't make it to antique. I had to go up to the front desk and I said, what is my book doing here? I'm not an antique. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, now they call it mid-century. Yes. So, so no, you're not antique. You're mid-century. It was my first book, which I wrote in 1998. So that was in the last century. So I guess... Yeah. That there you go. Made me an antique. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh God, it was oh. frightening. Isn't it something you walk through those and it's like, oh, I had one of those. I had one of those. And yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, see the records from the '60s and '70s and stuff, and then you see a Mike Miller book. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh well. Did you buy it? <laughs> no. <laughs> what were they charging for it? It was twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Originally twelve bucks. Yeah. So originally it was nineteen ninety eight or something like that. So what that. were they charging? Twelve. They were. Yeah. You know, you should have autographed it. That's what I was going to say. And then it'd be worth like twelve fifty, <laughs> <laughs> Or it would be worth less. Well, it could be. nine ninety nine. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Who scribbled that's on this funny. thing? <laughs> oh, geez. That's yeah. great. It's life. You never know what's going to happen. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> so, William, I just wanted to share that with you. Yes, and I want to share this with you. On Saturday mornings, we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your yards, front, back, and side, especially garden space, and a taste of the tropics, and houseplants as well, 
tropical houseplants. Potting mixes, how to improve your soil. Should you be shearing and pruning this time of year on any kind of plant material? Uh, removal, uh, what are those bugs? What's causing the curling of my tomatoes and everything else? Diseases, what's those spots in my lawn? And uh, using information that I'll share with you uh, will hopefully help you solidify your options. Of course, with the final judgment on the action you're going to take is going to be up to you. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you're listening. And another very important player in the game is Alex. He's producing, so when you call in, he answers the phone. He just needs your first name and where you're calling from. That's pretty much it. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting a Garden Hotline since the last century, 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to and have a look around. And uh, this past week on Wednesday, I was out in Fenton. Neat neat place, well orchestrated and everything else. So uh, gave him some ideas and some thoughts on, you know, what was wrong, what was right, and other things as well. And uh, my website, you can go to MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage has an email address and a phone number where I can be reached. So let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Fred Scott and Harriet Scott filed suit for their freedom at the courthouse there in downtown in 18. 18- 46. And now their statue looks towards the east, which is where the Gateway Arch is. The Gateway Arch National Park along the banks of Mississippi, where for many years people gathered on the 4th of July night times to enjoy the festivities and the fireworks. And uh, that's where also Luther Ely Smith Park leads down towards this magnificent panorama. Oak leaf hydrangeas, the flowers are past their prime as far as color-wise goes, but the blooms are still there and adding some great, great texture. Daylilies, well, they're sleepy. They're all laying down. I guess the rain, recent rains have kind of flattened them out. But the it still looks very good. The lawn looks very vibrant, so they've done a great job taking care of the lawn. I hear the uh, the old cathedral chiming. It's 7 o'clock. There's also hosta and periwinkle in combination underneath the viburnums and hollies and other shrubs as well. Uh, Tracy and I have enjoyed many years of fireworks from different vantage points that are, have been shot off in the river, actually, you know, so you can enjoy them from um, basically uh, <clears throat> wherever you happen to be. We've gone to the east side on the Illinois side to watch them to see how that was. We've actually watched them from one memorial drive and sitting up on kind of a balcony roof type thing. That's where KMWorks used to be. And we looked right down onto the arch grounds, and so consequently we could see the fireworks. I mean, it was fantastic there. We've gone out on the East Bridge, walked, and we've gone to Cleed's Landing, the parking garages, as well as uh, various other places. We've gone down to Lenore K. Sullivan Boulevard and just kind of sat there. We've sat in the lawn area, of course. And uh, this fantastic monument, the sun was shining and really was kind of a, just a neat morning. It was a little humid, I have to admit, but the temperature really wasn't that bad. Interesting, as I was walking along, here I am downtown, you know, the main thing. Uh, people must have been, not a whole lot, but there was quite a few bottle rockets laying on the ground. So some people must have been out uh, during the evening shooting off bottle rockets downtown. That's pretty wild and crazy. Anyway, 
1-800-925-1120. Or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Fourth of July was always, as a kid, my favorite holiday, to be honest with you, even more than Christmas, because my birthday is June 30th. So the fireworks stands were open. I would always get fireworks, and I would shoot fireworks off on my birthday and pretty much every day all the way through the Fourth of July. So I always had great fun with that. Let's go to Dottie's. Dottie, how are you today? Hi, uh, just fine. I want to ask you a question about an area on my front lawn that is um, next to my front porch. And it is right now, it is black. Nothing grows there. And all this water from the top of my porch is flowing down into this section. Ooh. And I discovered beside nothing growing there, it also smells like rotten eggs. <laughs> Welcome to your home at the front door. <laughs> yeah. And the flies love it. Oh, yeah. They probably. Uh, I, pro- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I did do some research and I, I looked up what might be wrong and it said it might need lime. But then I looked up lime and there are all types. And I thought, oh, good grief, I need help. But Lyme is not going to solve this problem. You're going to have to just basically decide what you want to do with this spot because it's everything is just drowned. And no matter what you put there, Lyme, chemical-wise or anything else, it's not going to you know, change the fact that it's drowning. And so that's kind of what you're left with. So either you know, put something, I don't know, how big is this area? It's about maybe three feet by nine feet but huh. maybe not quite that big yeah i would um, i would probably think about you know t- doing an alternative type of let's say mulch or something in that spot have the soil all dug up and maybe even i don't know if you're opposed to rock or something but you've got to put something in there that's not going to be impacted by this water and then put some pots there or a bird bath or a gazing ball or something along that line. But there's no way you're going to fix this problem short of fixing your gutter or what, you know, wherever the water's running off your roof line. That would be the other, you know, the other alternative. Right. If we were able to swing the water, the water is flowing through a gutter and I had, it was clogged oh. for a long time. And this year it's not clogged. But it's also flowing off the roof. Right. So I I was thinking of putting one of those rain barrels or something there to catch it, possibly, and then empty it each time it rains. Well, you don't have to empty it each time it rains, but you can use that to, I mean, to water any kind of plants on your lawn or anything right. else. So, I mean, that way, you know, solving the problem that way as opposed to, you know, just trying to put lime down, which is not going to do anything at all. So, uh, you know. Well, then... What then? Uh, the, so I have to. Di- I, we've been trying to dig up some of the soil, but it seems like it's, the water is endless. <laughs> well, it shows you how soaked it is. So I, I mean, think. you know, maybe. Okay, you- so 
That's a good idea. So mulch, I was afraid to put mulch on it that it would smother it and make it worse. Well, basically you got to get, you know, get the water out first. Exactly. Right. You got to stop the water problem because it's just like, you know, you're putting a Band-Aid on something that needs way more than a Band-Aid. So you got to really start on the roof and work your way down to the ground. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate all your information you share with us weekly. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Let's head now over to Paul's yard. Hi, Paul. Well, good morning, Mike. Hi. Happy late birthday. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> okay. Hey, I've got a, a large arborvitae, whatever you call that. Mm-hmm. It's about 13 feet tall, and it's about 20 years old. And the top two feet of it are starting to brown out. And I notice that the brown is kind of working its way downward. Is is that the end of the cycle for that bush, or can I do something to save it? Or Basically, when things brown? start, when evergreens start browning from the top down, that usually means that particular spot, because of all the additional rain we had in the spring and everything else, the root system has gotten too wet and it's basically drowned. And recovery-wise... It's going to be real iffy at best. You can certainly, you know, t- take a chance with it. Are you sure it doesn't uh-huh. have it doesn't have bagworms or anything else up there at the top? No, I, I've, I had it. I had it treated uh, with chemicals about a month and a half ago. And uh, but but you say you think it probably has too much water in the root system? Yeah, exactly. So uh-huh. with the amount of rain we had this spring, even well-established plant materials have, I've seen them throughout the metropolitan area that have suffered as a result of all that rain. And something okay. like an arborvitae, I mean, all the sort of evergreens, that particular type, and pines and everything else are really, really touchy when it comes to wet soils. So that's, uh-huh. I think, when it, like I said, browns from the top down and usually from the inside out, that's water-related. So right now it looks like we're going into a dry spell for the next five or six days. So there's really nothing I can do. We just hope it stays dry for a while. Is exactly right. Just keep your fingers crossed. Okay, Mike. Hey, listen, thanks a lot for your service. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Now let's head over to Jane, and she lives in Lake St. Louis. Hi, Jane. Hello, Jane. Are you there? Hello. Hi. Good morning. Um, I need to pick your brain. I have a, it's about six years old, a Rose of Sharon bush that's, golly, probably close to 10 feet tall. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I love it. It's a double. I don't know if that matters. Uh, so it's got flowers that look like carnations. Right. And it's old enough now that last fall it started producing seeds. Uh, and this spring I've been plagued with a billion of these little things sprouting and I'm out there weeding and hoeing and I it is in a flower bed with bulbs so I don't think I can put landscape fabric over it to you know and then maybe rake up the the seeds in the fall Uh, is there anything I can do well basically you could put a pre-emergent down so in other words a pre-emergent kills things that are germinating right. from seed, but won't impact your bulbs that are underneath the ground. Yeah, I do that in the spring. You try to do it in the fall, too. Ah, okay. So like mid to late August, because that's, you know, 
Those the Rosa Sharon have been producing flowers slash potentially seeds as a result pretty much through the most, most of the summertime, and those have been dropping to the ground, so there could be already seeds there. Oh, yep. I didn't think of that. So that's what you. That would probably be the approach I would take, since you've already got you. Since you have other valuable aesthetic plants, you know, in that space. Uh huh. Oh, you're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much. I'll try that. Appreciate it. Sure, my Bye. pleasure. And now let's go over to Paul's yard. Another Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mike. Yeah, the first Paul, I started talking and realized it wasn't me. (laughs) Uh, It seems to be the question about lime lately. Last week, you talked about lilacs and clematis. Right. And and if you said it, I missed it. How much lime? Basically. In other words, like a pound or? No, 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 no. Not that much by any means. Just enough, you know, routinely pull the mulch back if you have mulch around the clematis or lilac and just sprinkle a little bit, of, you know, from a few inches out from where the stems or trunks or whatever are coming up out of the ground. And just do it routinely every, maybe every year or every other year. So okay. you don't have like to put, a- don't put huge amounts because you could really, I mean, that could cause damage to even plants that, you know, like lime or like an outdated right. soil. Right. Okay. Like a trowel full or something. Right. Just sprinkle it yeah. all the way around. So, in other words, oh. it's going to get – and don't put it, to, like, right at the base because that's not where the feeder roots are. You want to change the pH a little bit further out on the perimeter. Okay. that's. Uh, I heard that last week, but I, I didn't hear the amount. So, all right, thank you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. And now Bye-bye. let's see. Where should we go? Let's go into University City. We haven't been there for a while. Hi, Pat. How are you? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have a question for you. Well, I guess so, otherwise I wouldn't be calling. <laughs> uh, I have zoysia grass, and I was thinking now that the rain has stopped, is it a good time to weed, put out my weed and seed? Do you have weeds in your zoysia? Yes. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, zoysia wants to be fed in the summertime. So, okay. you know, basically late May, June, July, August, with the last feeding in very early September, and probably, and that's going to be weather dependent. So, yeah, you should be okay. Okay, and how often should I do that? If, as far as the weed and feed, just put down when you have a weed problem. Okay. But as far as fertilizing, Zoysia wants to be fed monthly through the growing season, which is basically summertime. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much, dear. You have a good fourth. Well, thank you very much, too. And Bye-bye. now let's jump from U City over to Collinsville and go into Keith's yard. Hi, Keith. Two words Bermuda grass. Oh. That's a tough one. Let me tell you what I tried. About three years ago, I hit it with Roundup about this time of the year, Mm -hmm. and then I put 12-12 fertilizer on it and watered the heck out of it to get it to grow back, and I did that like five times. Whoa. And it it completely turned, it killed it. Then I burned it. Then I took a shop vac and got all the cotyledons out of it. And I planted fresh seed in there in, like, September, late September, and it came up beautiful. Three years later, it all came back. (laughs) That shows you how tough and durable that stuff is. It's a, you know, it's a nightmare. There's a few herbicides, you know, that are specifically formulated for that, but most of those are, you have to have a pesticide applicator's license to get them. 
or they're really you know, very, very extremely expensive. So, I mean, what you're doing is basically what you need to do. But probably, is this like a solid area of it, or is it mixed in with some other things? Well, I just tried one <clears throat> one area where I was pretty much inundated with it. Okay. And uh, it, it's, you know, maybe 35 by 40 feet. Ooh, and uh, like I said, it, it, it worked well, but in with two and a half, three years, it all came back. Right. And, you know, and pets can bring it in, birds can bring it in, and I even talked to a guy about coming in and digging it all out, but he said there's no guarantee you'll get rid of You know, like, take it out and put sod down, you know. Well, you know, basically what happened, more than some other, you know, let's say foreign person or bird or animal or whatever, uh, bringing probably new in, the Roundup didn't, you know, even though you put it down multiple times, it didn't kill the exact, you know, didn't kill all the rhizomes. In other words, the underground root system. So that's what right. brought it back. So, basically, you know, to me, to to go down like three or four inches, cut it out, and then put sod back into it, that's it's not going to guarantee that it's going to work, but that's going to be probably your best choice. Is there such a thing as a hybrid? Uh, like could I like a hybrid? Uh, in other words, give up on it and then invite it and let it take over the whole yard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what golf courses do. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, why not? But uh, no, it's no, there isn't any hybrids or anything else. It's just it's you know it's just kind of a, one of those things that's very easy to grow, very aggressive, and so we hate it. Yeah. All right, I just wanted to check and see if I should try something else, but I guess I just have to learn to live with it. Right, pretty much. I mean, it's just it's a nightmare. To get rid of it entirely is just going to be, like I said, a nightmare. So anyway, yeah. good luck, Keith. All right, thanks. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Last week I was saying water, water, water. Thank goodness we got the rain, and man, it made a difference. Everything really got cleaned up as far as all the dust and everything that was on it. And uh, just everything really looks, I mean, very vibrant. So uh, the zoysia lawns look great. The cool season lawns of fescues and bluegrasses still look pretty good because it hasn't, it's been hot, but it hasn't been hot long enough where they just start, I don't want to say melting, but uh, kind of that. But just be careful with, you know, everything, you know, from a water standpoint in your lawn that you don't create fungus problems. And if you've got spots or anything in your lawn, you think, I wonder if this is where my dog is going urinating or something like that, or is this a fungus? Well, get down on your hands and knees with a magnifying glass right where the brown area transitions to green. Just look at the blades, and if you see some fuzzy stuff on the blades, then you probably have a fungus problem. The dog's urine, basically what that is, is their urine has a huge amount of nitrogen, so that's what burns it's not the alkalinity of the urine or anything else. It's a high nitrogen content. So who would have, you know, who <laughs> you wouldn't think of that. So also if you put too much nitrogen, nitrogen down in your lawn or you dump a bag and it's, you know, you can't get it you know, picked up or anything else, you can really cause some major damage. So anyway, let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Very good. Here's my issue. I have a... Uh... Uh, an apple orchard on my farm Ooh. with about 20 trees. And uh, this year, because of some really, really bad storms that's come through, a couple of them have been uprooted. 
Wow. And I've noticed that the, the root system doesn't look very big or large. And I've heard you talking about uh, deep root feeding in the past. Right. Would, would something like that help me to get a better root system on some of the trees that are left out there? Or is is there anything I can really do? Well, basically, deep root feeding, what that does is improve your soil. So, okay. And then your soil feeds your trees. But it's not going to okay. necessarily trigger root growth or anything else. It's just okay. if the trees are healthy and everything else. I'm so, how how old were these trees that got knocked over? Uh, I'm going to say they were 15 years old, 12 oh. to 15 years. So if the, you know, it may be an age factor as well as anything else too. Well, so. I, I did notice I did notice this year too that we we've, we've lost about 12 to 15 really, really big oak trees on our property Ooh. that were, were blown over. And I'm talking, you know, 20 inches. Wow. Yeah. So we, I think we've had some pretty strong straight wind storms come through right. the area. Yeah. So, so no, I would, yeah. uh, you know, improving the soil again will help the root system, but it's not going to prevent something, you know, that dramatic. It sounds like you sure. had some really strong winds. Well, yeah, like I said, we've lost you know, quite a few trees, oak trees, in the 20-inch range. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what we said. Now, it's going it's to it's turn into firewood for our fireplaces and our, and our, and our boiler. We've got a, you know, a water circulation boiler that heats uh-huh. the house and that. But, you know, we sure didn't want to lose those bigger trees. It would've, I would have been happy with some 6- and 8-inchers. <laughs> but anyway, so what... What procedure do I use for this deep root feeding? How do how do I go about that? Basically, when the foliage has come off the trees, you go out half the distance from the trunk to the drip line. Then okay. you start you get an electric drill with an earth auger, which is a drill bit with about an you know an inch, and okay. then you auger holes in a circle all the way around about one or two feet apart, and okay. then you backfill those holes with compost. Then you go out another foot or two, make another circle, and then you go out just beyond where the drip line is. So you're okay. creating concentric circles all the way out, echo, more or less like if you throw a rock in water, sort of that right. echo. And sure. All the way just beyond the drip line of the trees. And you say just buy any to any you know commercial compost on the market or well or, you know I mean St. Louis composting obviously has the best stuff but uh, just so it's compost and it's not you know and when you pick up the bag it hasn't been waterlogged so it could be right. more problem than so you pick right. up a bag it's supposed to weigh this amount and you go ooh, ooh. so yeah <laughs> well okay but yeah so uh, that's what I'm going to probably be doing this fall. Then you say after the foliage falls off, you do that. Yeah, you got all the and then all the way through until the new until the new you know, buds break open for the new growth sure. in the springtime. Okie doke. Well, thank you very much, yeah. Mike. You have a great day. You do the very same thing. And wow, that's a pretty wild story. Apple trees and oak trees getting knocked over. John lives in Chesterfield. Hi, John. Good morning. Hi. Uh, two questions. When do you transplant iris after they bloomed out about a month ago? Is it too soon or too late or what? Uh, probably I'd wait, a, you know, I'd probably, my tendency be when it starts cooling down. So I would say either wait until springtime when the when the growth emerges at that time. So very, very early spring or sometime in September. September, okay. Um, other thing is I got... Part of my lawn, I was redoing the whole thing because it was so messed up. Uh, put the commercial pre-emerge uh, herbicide down, and I think I put too much because 
Uh, the grass seed didn't want to come up and didn't want to come up, but now I got about 25, 30% where there's nothing growing at all. No weeds, but no grass. Um, I was wondering, I was wondering if, I know it's kind of like to try to do the fescue seeds, but I was wondering if I threw out some um, annual ryegrass just to have something growing in the bare spots, if that would work. You could try it, but you you should have never put pre-emergent down at the same time you put grass seed down. No, 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 no. It wasn't oh. the same time. I put the uh, pre-emergent down last August where the uh, annual rye was okay. going, and I put it down uh, first weekend, or uh, right at the first of March, the spring for the other stuff. And then when did you put the seed down? Um wasn't until like Memorial Day weekend, so end of May. Yeah, yeah. So then it sh- that should have been a you know echo of time where it shouldn't have been problematic. But yeah, I tr- tr- just try some annual rye, rake the area really well, and I have no problem maybe getting some seed starter fertilizer too to see if you yeah, can I, get it. Speaking of that, if I'm, I looked on the internet for uh, just to see what analysis they were talk, talking about for starters, mm-hmm. it's all over creation. There's no consistent. You go to the big box stars, starter, starter, starter. You look at the analysis, it's all over the place. Absolutely. So basically, you know, just kind of it's a roll of the dice. You can kind of pick and choose. Every company wants to have theirs saying, well, our form, you know, our combination of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium is better because we got blah, blah, percentage. And so that's it's just it doesn't matter. It's formulated for, you know, start seed starting. Hmm. Okay, so I'll scratch the scratch the ground, see if I can get some rye to come up for a while. Exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> and then scratch your head to going, ah, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. Let's see if we can get another call in before break. Let's go to Diana. Hi, Diana. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you. Talk about not fertilizing the herbs, so I don't do that. But I'm wondering, there's a product called Super Thrive that's a vitamin solution enhanced with kelp, and it it helps my uh, indoor plants quite a bit. Would that cause the same losing the flavor of the herbs? It certainly could. Because anytime you cause any, for whatever reason, whatever you're putting down, a surge of growth, that basically takes, let's say, the flavor, the taste out of your herbs. Okay. So it's just not causing a surge from anything then? No. All right. That's what I wanted to know. Thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Kaboom! Fourth of July. It was amazing, huh? Last night, how many fireworks were going off? We couldn't see them, but, boy, we could hear them all over South St. Louis. You know, so it would be interesting to see what it sounds like tonight. Let's head out to the pair and go into, into Don's yard. Hi, Don. Hi. Um, hey, last fall, my oak tree threw a ton of acorns off. Mm-hmm. So I've got all these little seedlings coming up in my really nice lawn. Ooh. And, and all my neighbors do, too. So my question is, is, is kind of twofold. Number one, do I get one of those um, uh, dandelion removers, you know, tools, and right. just pull each one up separately? Or should I go out and take a jar and a paintbrush and paint Roundup on them? 
because they keep mowing them over, but they keep coming back and it's happening to a lot of yards here. Right. I'll tell you what, if you try to use it, let's say a dandelion digger, a weeder, you got to push it because I've got some coming up in my yard too. The Probably the acorn is going to be about, uh, I mean, it's planted by a squirrel more or less. So it's about three or four inches deep. And then the tap root off the acorn goes deeper than that. So you got to push way down and to pop that thing out. So unless you want to just really have some really strong risks at the end of the season of doing this, you know, using an herbicide to kill it off is probably going to be to your advantage. Now, also, Roundup, you got to get Roundup for killing woody plants. Don't get just normal Roundup. Okay. So, like, there's like three or 400 of them. So I would probably <laughs> tear my lawn up too much using the, the dandelion thing, right? Uh, well, not really, because you just, I mean, you, you, you grab a hold of the stem and the leaves, you, you know, push the dandelion digger uh, and then pry it. And then you can just, when you pull it up and get it up out of the ground, you can just put this, you know, push the soil back. And it, really, you can't even tell where you've been the next week. Okay. So what what would your, if it was your yard and you had like 300 of these things, which way would you go? Well, I would probably take the tendency of getting the roundup for woody plants and painting it on the leaves of the oak trees. Okay. I really appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, Thank I you. mean, with that many, I mean, my yard, I get, you know, I probably have maybe 10 or 15 every month or so. But, uh, yeah, when this this year, prolific as far as the amount of acorns and the squirrels just went nuts. So let's yeah. now head over to Yolanda's, and she lives in Jennings. Hi, Yolanda. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Great. I do have a question about the dandelions, too. I don't know what those little fuzzy things that pops up. You'll cut your lawn, and then little fuzzy things pop up. What exactly can I put on it? Because my mom said, make sure you watch the temperature on what you can put on it. So I need to know what I can do to kill those white dandelions as well and then the little things that pop. So I guess it's also a dandelion? Well, actually, it's actually seed of the dandelion. So the yellow flower turns into that white puffy thing. Oh, okay. So every one of those, every time you blow them as kids, you know, you can blow seeds all over the place. So, So in other words... When you're using an herbicide, like let's say a weed be gone or something like that, you spray it on the foliage. Don't worry about the flowers. It doesn't matter. You try to kill the foliage in the root system, and the flower is not, there's in the seed, of course, there's nothing you can do about that. Okay, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Right. So I'll just try that. Yeah, recognize the dandelion foliage and, you know, spray it on the dandelion foliage and don't worry about the yellow flower or the seeds or anything else. Just the this the this the dandelion itself. Right, exactly. All right. Thank you so much. Right. Well thank Enjoying you. Your show. Well thank you. All right. And the other thing is to do is get a dandelion digger okay. and then dig them up the tap roots are gonna be quite long. Let's go now to Lori's yard. Hi Lori. Well, good morning and how are you today? Good. I have uh, been told and I've been listening to your show for years, but I've been told that uh, when you prune something at this time of the year, not to go back more than six inches. I have a hedge that's in my yard. It's in the. It's more or less for accent. It's just an accent at the corner of the property, but it's getting longer and it's starting to go over to the banister where we walk down to the public sidewalk. 
is it okay to prune this at this time of the year? Because it's becoming a thorn in my side <laughs> just by looking at it. So what kind of, is this a deciduous shrub or is this an evergreen? It's not an evergreen. It's the other one that you said. So it loses its leaves in the wintertime. Right. Well, you can do it. It's just, you know, you may end up aesthetically causing some problems. But probably what I do is just I go out and, let's say, cut half of them off that are coming through the banister. Then wait okay. for two weeks and see what's happened. See if there's some sunburn. See if there's some damage. If not, then just go out and, you know, cut the the rest of it. So, in other words, just don't go out with a hedge trimmer and try to do it all at once. No, I just want to at least prune back. What I'd really like doing is shaping them and right. then, like, cutting it flat. You right. know, like give it a flat top. And then wait until, then do the major type of pruning, shaping, and everything else. Do that after the foliage falls off in the fall. Okay. Now, what about my rose bush? Because I know with the, it's it's going crazy with the rain. Right. And it just keeps flowering and flowering, but it's going crazy. It's starting to look like um, a creeper rather than a rose bush. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like something from out of Little House of Horrors. <laughs> well, basically, hopefully it doesn't have rose rosette. But basically what you can do is you can go ahead and prune it with your roses. Okay. All right. And do I need to wait for those... Um... I need to wait for those blooms to fall off first. Well, you should, yeah, so you can enjoy yeah. that. But it sounds like it's continuous blooming. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, just go ahead and prune it. Go down to, after where the, wherever the flower is, go down to at least the first or second five leaflet and cut it off at that point. All right. I thank you very much because I didn't want to kill either one of them with this heat wave that we've got for the next couple of months. Right, exactly. That's why you have to be very cautious about pruning this time of year. So anyway, thanks, okay. Lori. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mr. Yep, Miller. folks, and uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. See you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. <laughs> yes, yes, folks. Dinosaur. Welcome. Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Ideas, questions, <laughs> comments, or concerns. So it was Dinosaur? No, it wasn't Dinosaur. Oh, I thought it was, it was Dinosaur. It was a dinosaur. Oh. You know when you I see that word written and it's like it's, it should be dinosaur, but it's not. But yeah, you see the video and it's a, it looks like it's like a twelve foot truck and so the head of the dinosaur. No, the no, giraffe. the head of the giraffe. The giraffe probably wanted to run away because he was afraid of the dinosaur. Because he was sore. Dinosaur. Oh jeez. Yeah. So the giraffe is sticking out of the back of this truck. I mean, who would... Come on, people. Well, the giraffe you know? probably got tired of listening to Dinosaur singing. <sighs> so, I mean... You, you never get tired that. of Dinosaur. Come on. She was like... <laughs> she was Miss America. <laughs> oh, this is too much. No, brother. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, do you? No, no, you don't. 
No. But uh, I was curious, related to fireworks, do you yes. use fireworks? You know what? We have a few that we've had for about oh, five years. And one of these days, we'll light it off. Right. We were going to light it off when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, but I was too busy celebrating. <laughs> and so we're waiting for the Cardinals to win the World Series. Eh, that hasn't happened in a right. while. So uh, I don't know if we're going to this weekend or uh, not. I was curious how the Peacock would react. Oh, he hates loud noises. I'm sure. Yes, he right. really hates. So yeah, like the neighbor has that. a like a motorcycle and a four by four, whatever, Ooh. or a, a you know four wheeler. Right. And when they fire up, you hear him, and he runs over to our house to get away from it. So yeah, he doesn't like it. The horse doesn't like it. You know. So yeah. <laughs> so poor animals. <laughs> they hate it. The dogs. <laughs> right. You know. Oh yeah. But, Definitely. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have fireworks? No. No. Good. I mean, I have some, but uh, basically just uh, don't light them. Yeah. Just have them more or less. You just throw them up in the air and go, ooh, that would look pretty if we yeah, lit it. Really. Yeah, really. I have some of those helicopter things. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, for my wife's birthday a couple of years ago, she had a big birthday, and we got some big fireworks. It really? was really cool. Wow. Some people, we live about eight miles off of 255, and some folks were running late, and they saw them from 255. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, they were they So were those sharp, were and, big. They were big, but right. I'm not a big, I'm not necessarily a big fan of them. Yeah. You know. Oh, just curious. Sure. Say hi to Dinah Shores. <laughs> I will never live this down. The time I said the plane crashed on a frog shrouded runway, I still hear about that. Uh, folks, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We get together to discuss plant selections, cares for it, ups and downs, the annuals, the bulbs. Speaking of annuals, I was surprised. I forget where we were the other day. But they still had some pansies that looks pretty good. And pansies are that cool season, pansy. And usually when it starts getting this warm, they they melt away. So I'm, you know, I was very impressed. It was only... You know, they're two large pots. I mean, really big pots, but still. Uh, bulbs, my, my elephant ears, my cannas, and the dahlias, and they are really, really, really looking good. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, there's Alex, and he's producing. And so when you call in, he asks you for your name and where you're calling from only. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about. So during the week, I spend my time uh, landscape consulting. And uh, this week, today, after the show, no, I, I'm not going to go anyplace except home. And uh, so because it's the 4th of July, it's a bang-bang day. But anyway, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's my email address and phone number where we can schedule one. And uh, Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the Trial goes out to all you listeners, which I greatly appreciate because, as I always say, if you were not there, I would not be here. So tip of the trial also goes out to people that may not listen, which is fine. I don't expect everybody in the entire metropolitan. But, the, the, I mean, this year, the rain in the springtime and everything else, extended spring, that was great. But now things are really still looking pretty darn good. So all the people are spending the extra time to make their yards look nice. So whether you're driving by or walking by, so it makes it really enjoyable. So tip of the trial goes out to all those great gardeners and to all the listeners here at KMOX. So let's take a couple calls before we go on break. Let's go to Williams. Hi, William. How are you? 
Hello, William, are you there? Uh-oh. Sorry, William. And now, uh, how about Cindy? Let's see if she's there. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Um, we, because you spoke so highly of this, we put in uh, a Kusa dogwood. And it's lovely. It's been in three years. And um, the the thing that I'm kind of curious about, this tree is sort of columnar, and it's not, uh, you know, like a regular, I mean, it has, you know, naturally a um, trunk, but there are leaves almost touching the ground. My husband cut some branches off, so it wasn't touching the ground, but it was before he cut them off. And I'm wondering if this is just because this tree is young or may, is it going to stay like that? Well, if it, I mean, it's, you know, so you're saying it grows more. You know, you're, first of all, I'm a little bit confused. You're saying it has a column shape, columnar, yeah. but yes, it has. And then you're saying it has branches that are, you know, horizontal that touch the ground. Right, right. So to me, I would say just leave it alone, at least for a little while. And let, you know, I mean, you've already, let's say, limbed it up some, but, uh, it should. They're much more tighter growth than the native type dogwoods. Okay, okay. Because and and it's sort of sprouting out a little bit at the top. You know, like reaching. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of reaching now. Right. Um, on one side, not necessarily on the other. I don't. We don't under, understand that, but I, we don't care. It's beautiful. The little um, flowers are lovely, and then the little berry things that are on it. They're they're lovely to look at too. Right. So probably the reason why the growth is on one side as opposed to another, my guess is the side where the growth is not growing is is more shaded. It is. That's correct. So that's the, any kind of plant basically is going to reach for light. So the new growth is always generally going to go that direction. I mean, I go to people's houses where the, their trees or shrubs or whatever almost look one-sided because of the amount of shade on one side versus the other. Okay. Okay. Um, may I ask another question? Sure. Um, I have houseplants. What do you think of um, putting some or fertilizing them with fish emulsion? What? I mean, that's fine if you want to use that. It's, the okay. analysis is, uh, I forget what it is. I used to use it a long time ago. First of all, I think it stinks, but uh, that's okay. And, okay, okay. <laughs> well, maybe I'm going to use this outside because I know you can use it on flowers outside. Maybe I might not. Will it? So it'll stink in the house, okay? Well, a little bit. I mean, initially, yes. So, okay. So you know okay. what it smells like. Um, well, I know what dead fish smells like. <laughs> <laughs> Old fish smells like, yes, well, yes. it's not going to quite smell like that, but it's, it has an interesting, let's say, aroma. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sorry okay. Much. Great. Thank you. And let's see, should we take a break or take another call? Let's take a break. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, back to the phones, and we're headed over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Hello, Mike. Am I lose you? I'm dropping calls. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm not going to ask you for the 15th time how you are. <laughs> <laughs> that bugs me. But anyway, uh, on the oak trees, uh, there's this disease going around. It's happened a couple of years, been in the farm magazine, too, that they're getting a leaf scale, and they're dying from the tops down, and it pertains to red oak and black oak. And my cousins has lost some 
quite a few out in his woods. The thing this year going around is the sycamore trees are having a leaf scale disease. And they're losing their leaves, but they come back. Right. Which they say, you know, in long term can affect the tree probably. But I noticed that most of them around here, and I live in North Calhoun County, and lots of woods and hollows, and there's a lot of them that are looking good now. But they look really sad in the beginning because of tiny leaves and they were falling off. Right. So anyway, that's one that I people. But on the oak trees, that's been apparently going on for a couple of years. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I'm not familiar with that myself. Now, with what you know, as far as here in the you know metro, let's say in the city, it was anthracnose that was causing the uh, sycamores to defoliate. So it was a fungal mm. disease. Yeah, that could be. Well, the other thing is the uh, uh, root systems, of course, on some of these trees will. Eventually, I guess they will take and go down, but, of course, I've had trouble through the years here with a couple straight-line winds. I didn't call them tornadoes. Took down cedar trees and pine tree and mm-hmm. and the roof off my house, of course. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but but the uh, on the, the tree situation, we had a conservationist over in the other county that said there was no emerald ash borers in Calhoun County. And my whole hollow on the north end of the county... For three or four years, have been dis- the ash trees have been destroyed. Really? They're just barkless. They're dead. They're Ooh. falling on the road. And they, no, and I don't know, you know, I know they took them up down at the arch because right. of the possibility. But here, I don't know why they keep, don't recognize the fact that we have had them here and they, they leave a terrible sight. Yeah, they do. And the city of St. Louis has taken out all the ash trees that are street trees, too. So it's not yeah. just the arch grounds. It's really all over the metropolitan area. And a lot of the logs I see that are being cut are ash logs because I guess they're <clears throat> deciding to go ahead and get them and get what they can out of them. Exactly. In case it you know, proceeds with that carrying on and losing everything. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to just tell you about. And by the way, we had four inches of rain yesterday up here oh, in the North End. And last weekend, four and eight tenths of the rain. And I drove through water that I shouldn't have driven through yesterday coming home with my little car. But, uh, and, you know, it's not happening elsewhere. I, I hear other people up north, oh, we only we get any, you know. Right. Thank goodness the river won't come down that way if it does. <laughs> well, thanks, We've had it already. Sure, and that's that was just an alert that I thought about. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks. Thanks for All the right, You're welcome. Mm-hmm. And let's head now over to Diana's. Hi, Diana. Yes, hi. Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yes. I yeah. have a question regarding... I have a question regarding clover. Okay. Um, it seems... I put the Scott Step Program down, but it seems to just be like taking over my lawn now. Is there anything I can do right now? Uh, but, you know, really, clover is a probably, they say violets, you know, but I think clover is the most difficult thing, you know, to try to control. Ooh. And, uh, you know, so just I would say go online, go to the University of Missouri Extension Service or go to the Botanical Garden and see what they're recommending as far as the clover goes. But, you know, if you've got a solid patch of it, I just recommend killing it off with, you know, with Roundup. If it's mixed in, you know, kind of sporadically in your lawn, then that's not something you can do. Just try any kind of broadleaf weed killer. 
Okay, and it won't kill the grass at the same time? No, it won't. But uh, this time of year, yes, it may. So always oh. before you put any kind of herbicide down, you have to read the label to see where the temperature, temperature regulations are. Okay, and if it, um, if it continues, I guess, and I can't put anything down in can I, like, maybe fall time, or do I have to wait till... And then the the problem with doing it in the fall is, you know, the the plants are kind of headed towards sleepiness. So then you could try it in the fall to see if you could, let's say, reduce the quantity, but uh, go after it in the spring as soon as the new growth begins, because that's when they're always much more susceptible to any kind of herbicide absorption through the foliage. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Wow, she, she must be a scuba diver or something. It sounded like she was underwater. But uh, let's go to Gail's. Hi, Gail. Hi, Mike. Happy Fourth. Well, same to you. Um, I have a burning bush that has a lot of dead branches in it. Is there a certain time of the year uh, that you should cut out the dead branches, or won't it hurt it? Uh, basically, uh, if it's, they're dead branches, you can cut them off any time. Okay. So if it's just you're trying to prune it to make it shape different or all that other kind of stuff, that's a whole different story. But removing dead stuff, there's no problem doing it pretty much any time of the year. Okay. And when do you cut um, clematises down? Uh, what time of the year? Uh, other than the first few years, you really don't need to prune them. And oh, you're only you doing it in the first few years is to, you know, it's kind of increase the number of stems coming up out of the ground. Okay. Okay. And one last thing. Uh, when did you say the best time to water the lawns are? Well, I disagree with lots of different people. There's plenty of people, and somebody's called in and said the sod farm says to water at night. I just think that's not really good. I like to do it, which I can't do because of my situation. Early in the morning, you'll get it done, so then it can be dried off before we get into, uh, let's say, the heat of the summer, the heat of the daytime. Okay. Okay. Have a good day. Yep. So, like, it, you know, if you've got an irrigation system, you know, have it come on or, you know, let's say at dawn, and then just run it, and then basically then it should be dried off before, you know, fungal problems. That's why I don't like to water at night, because to me that's where the fungus growth really happens. So, anyway, thanks, Gail. Okay, and thanks. Sure. And now okay. let's go to, where should we go? Hmm. Elias? Elias, how are you? I am very well. How are you, Mike? Very good. Good. I have a plant called Jews Mellow, M-A-L-L-W-O-W. It it, it goes like, I mean, it is edible from seeds. But now I noticed yesterday the leaves, the top leaves are, you know, like laces. And I saw a bug. What kind of bug is this? It's t- you know it's tough to say. There's a lot of bugs will cause lacing on the leaf. Okay. So ba- what you need to do is just get a you know uh, uh, an insecticide, and they're probably hanging out on the underside of the leaf. So just turn the leaves over, and sp- you know if you don't see the bug, don't bother spraying because the insecticides are basically all contact killers. Okay. Yeah, some of the leaves, but if I'm going to leave it later, it will be the whole, uh, you know, plant, the whole garden, you know, <laughs> like a leaf. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have to be pretty meticulous to go around and, you know, turn every leaf over, but uh, just oh. have the, you know, have the insecticide with you and just spray if you see any bug. 
And the best time to check is early in the morning and then later in the, you know, later in the evening too. But you can check in the heat of the day because early in the morning, later in the day, that's when they're doing most of their chewing, eating or whatever it happens to be. So they're, you know, you're going to see them. It's going to be more readily available. When it gets hot, they kind of go and, you know, get into shade for the most part. Okay. All right. And my second question, when is the best time to uh, trim Japanese tree? Japanese like Japanese maples and things like that? Yes. The maple trees and the birch trees and the beech trees all prefer to be pruned in the summertime. Okay. Now is the time then? Yes. Okay. All right. And third question, I have for five years, uh, it is hydrogenia, but never a bloom. I was reading, and there is uh, wild leaves, there's never a bloom. It is in the sun for most of the day, like uh, southeast. Shall I pull it out and put it in the shade, like morning sun, and that's it? No, it might be variety-wise, but... No, if the foliage is healthy and everything else, why it hasn't bloomed? So it's never bloomed as long as you've had it? Yes, uh, that's right. So I would say, personally, I would get rid of it. And if you really like the hydrangeas, get another one and get one that's like a forever blooming one. So in other words, it'll continuously bloom through most of the summertime. Okay. Can I propagate from other plants? Is healthy. It blooms like a pink color. You can't. Well, the, if you get the pink-colored ones, then that's only going to bloom for a relatively short period of time. Oh, I thought that uh, the pH and the other one has a factor to change from pink to blue or vice versa. Only certain varieties, and that's you know you you use aluminum sulfate. That's what changes the colors. Okay. Oh, oh okay. And I can get that, isn't it? Like yeah. from the store, like uh, Home Depot? Yes, or, uh... you should be able to. Okay, all right. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Happy Fourth. My pleasure. And remember, this land is my land, this land is your land. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, have a good one, Mike. <laughs> yes, you do the very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Heading into Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello, Joe. Whoops. Joe, I guess Joe's gone. Let's go over to Mary instead. Hi, Mary. Good morning and happy 4th of July, Mike. Same to you. Listen, I have a black, soot-like substance that's covering the leaves of my uh, tulip, the poplar tree, Mm -hmm. and the small dogwood that sits under it. It's also all over the concrete and brick patio. Now, I can get it off of the brick patio and concrete with one of those pressure washers, but I'm concerned that this stuff is covering, I mean covering the leaves of these trees. Wow. I know it. Scary. The best thing you can do is there's nothing you can do about it now, to be honest. Okay. But just in the fall, when the leaves fall, get rid of the leaves. Don't just okay. leave them lay. Okay. And that's the best, you know, the best thing you can do. But it was probably related to all that, you know, the rain and everything we had early on, and then all of a sudden when the rain turned off, the humidity and heat, and that caused the, you know, caused this this fungus growth that you see. 
so that you think it's a fungus type. Right, definitely. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for your service, sir. Sure, well, thank you. Yeah, the scary thing is when, you know, hopefully it's not covering all the leaves and uh, because that can really impact the overall health of the trees simply from the fact that nutrients and moisture come up from the root system, then the leaves basically use sunlight to create chlorophyll slash food. And if they're covered, then they're not going to be able to create the amount of food that is needed. Let's go over to Rick's yard now. Hi, Rick. Hi, Mike. I've got, uh, it's a pleasure to hear, listen to you every weekend. I, I really do enjoy it. But I have two easy questions for you, very easy. First one is I put in day, this is daylilies. I put um, daylilies in all corners of the yard, and I just don't even think about them, and they do great. I put some in a, a raised planter, a raised bed that I put in the front of the house, and they bloom terrific. I put them in last year, last summer. Bloom terrific, May, June, and then boom, they just shut off. There's no more blooms. Is that normal? Because I don't. I think the other ones keep going all summer. Well, there are certain varieties that are continuous bloomers, but the majority are not. So the oh. ones that are continuously blooming, that's specific varieties. And the ones that you know have, like the ones that I was talking about down at the arch grounds, they finish blooming and they're you know basically headed towards dormancy. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's. I don't even pay attention to the varieties because there's thousands of varieties. You aren't get, kidding. Uh, but I love them because you don't have to worry about them. You don't have to think about them, and they they take care of themselves. <laughs> um, the other, yeah. So well, thanks for that. The other question is: I put a kusa dogwood in about a six foot tall kusa dogwood last spring, and I was in the springtime. And um, it didn't bloom then, I didn't, it, I, which I figured, but it didn't bloom this spring either. And I'm, now I'm questioning, is there something special I need to do for this Coosa dogwood? It's a good spot. It's increasing in size. It's, it's happy where it's at, but no, no blooms. Basically, it's maturity. So in other words, and every tree is not going to be the situation, you know, the circumstance where it's growing and everything else. But you may have to wait for another couple of years before you're going to get flowers off of it. But it'll be well worth the wait. All right, gotcha. I, I thank you so much. Have a nice 4th of July. Well, you do the same thing. And now let's head over to Colleen's. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Mike. Uh, can you give me any advice for a pencil cactus? Uh, I've had it a number of years, and it's really waning now. I mean it's like weeping over? Uh, no, it's... Uh, uh, the parts have died off, and there are no new blooms coming off the edges anymore, but some of the stalks are still green. I would say anything that sort of looks bad is, you know, cut that off. But pencil cactus, you know, they're not exactly, uh, you know, I mean, they're kind of a rare as far as aesthetically, and they can go downhill pretty quickly. So you're not overwatering, you're not changing habits that way or anything else, correct? I did try transplanting it, putting it in Miracle Grow, a little bigger pot because I just needed to do something. <laughs> but, but I don't. That may be of... adverse to its overall health. Uh, so uh-huh. keeping you know the cactus family or the cactus group basically in the same size pot for as long as possible, especially like something like a cactus or a pencil cactus. So you may have kind of like accelerated some of the downhill turn. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah. It, I felt I had to do something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was. Just uh, yeah. There's no, no special fertilizer, though, for no. cactus or anything that, like that. When huh? things are not you know, feeling well, just like with people, you don't eat. And uh-huh. plants don't want to eat either when they're not feeling well. Uh-huh. So just let us stabilize and see if you can get it back, you know, kind of going in the right direction. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you? Thank you for your service and happy 4th of July. Same to you. Uh, I'm uh, back on the rhubarb stuff again. I have... Uh, I have it high. I have a lot of compost about it, but is it is the heat causing a lot of the leaves to shrink up? Basically, it is, and this is a time of year where you should be you know cutting some of the leaves off of it. Okay. So this is you know really good time. This and asparagus, both and strawberries, all the all three of those you know should have you know should you can prune them back at this time. So I should mow my uh, asparagus down now. Yeah. Because it's heading up and stalking. Right. Okay. And then my last comment, which is going to be controversial on the show, is uh, I love clover. I love watching the bees. And I've had a more successful blackberry this year because I have a lot more clover than I did last year. You know, I, yeah. there's plenty of people that I visit their home for the walk and talk, and I tell them, you know, Dutch white clover, you've got difficult circumstance, why not just grow clover? You don't have to mow it hardly ever. Like you said, it brings in the bees, so I completely agree with that. Yeah, all three, all three type. well, the honeybee and the two type of bumblebees right. have been here, and uh, since uh, some other people use the uh, spray, their field technique, at least I'm glad to see them. So. Sounds That's perfect. That's all i got to say on that. Thank you very much for well, all your advice. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bill. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Lee's yard. Hi, Lee. Good morning. Thank you for your show. I enjoyed it. Uh, have, we have a large old pin oak tree and this year we have a front yard growing of all little pin oak trees. Right. How do I get rid of those? <laughs> yeah, we had a caller last hour. Basically, what you can do is you can go out there, you hand dig him, nope, mow him off, nope. You're going to have to probably take some, uh, like an herbicide, Roundup for killing woody plant material, and just paint it on individually unless they're, you know. Oh, they're oh they're they're full of I, individually would be impossible. Right. So then uh there's not too much else you can do. I mean, you could try a cuz the normal let's say broadleaf weed killers are not going to be effective against them. And if you just mow them off, so you're going to have to go after them, you know, if you don't want to paint them, you can just get the roundup for killing woody plant material and they have if you get the larger container, they'll have a little cone at the end of the wand that you spray with. So you can just set it right down on the cone on top of the plant that you're trying to kill, the oak seedlings, and then spray it. And then that's about the only way you're going to be able to do it. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. This year was prolific as far as the amount of acorns that have been produced. It's just unbelievable. Okay. Now what was that again? What do I use? You want to use Roundup for killing woody plants. Okay, okay, when do I put that down? Basically, you're going to spray it. You can start right now. 
Okay, okay, sure. Roundup or Woody Plants. Right, exactly. Okay. So it's going to be an herbicide spray, and get the one that has a cone on the end of the wand that you okay. spray with. Okay, okay, thank you very much. Sure. And okay. now let's see, where should we go? How about Ann Yard? She lives in West County. Hi, Ann. Uh, hi, Mike. I planted, okay, I had an ivy area, which I pulled out the ivy and planted grass seed. Um, the gra- the rest of my yard is zoysia, so the grass that I had the newly planted grass doesn't match my zoysia. If I buy, can I buy zoysia sod at this time of the year and put that down over this grass, or will, <laughs> am I going to have a problem? If, yeah, you're going to have to work that soil up where you have this grass seed before you put the sod down, or else you okay. could have a problem. So it's you can't when just lay it. When is a good time to put zoysia sod, sod down? Yeah, well, the, basically this is its time of year. Oh, okay. Okay, so get rid of that other grass first, and then I can put my sod down. Right, exactly. So you got probably zoysia is going to be available. The sooner you get it down, the better, but it's going to take more care as far as watering and everything else. During the heat of the summertime, you got to probably up until maybe mid-September after that, I wouldn't be putting zoysia down because it may not get established enough to make it through the wintertime. Okay. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Sure. And now let's head to Jean's yard. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Um, I have two problems. I have moss growing on my brick wall, and I also have a... A uh, knockout rose bush that's dying. Uh, probably a knockout rose bush that's dying. There's not going to be too much you can do about it. So I would just go ahead and pull that out. As far as the moss growing on a, any kind of hardscape surface, there's a product called DMOS. Use uh-huh. that. Oh, okay. Is that like a spray? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, well, thank you. That's going to take, take care of my problem. Have a nice 4th <laughs> of July. Well, same to you. Yeah, because, I mean, D-moss, some people have moss in their yards. Don't uh-huh. that, That's not what we're talking about. So as long as it's on a hardscape, you know, brick walls, yeah. you know, sidewalk and stuff, use the D-moss. Okie dokie. Thank you. Sure. And Alice, Joe lives in South County. Hi, Joe. Yeah, Mike, I lost contact before. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, two questions. Number one is, that can I put preen down on an asparagus bed? Will that uh, hurt the asparagus? What, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. I didn't hear what the first thing you said was. Can I put preen down on an asparagus bed to keep the weeds out? Uh, basically, not this time of year. I mean, because there's not that many weeds going to be coming up from seed. But, yeah, in the springtime, you can do it. And because the asparagus is coming up from the root system, so you could probably do it in August and then probably when the forsythia is in bloom in the springtime. So those two different times. Okay. Second question I had, I've always been under the assumption that on the asparagus you let it grow until the fall when the frost hits it and then cut it down because it's feeding the roots during that time. And I thought before, um, maybe I misunderstood you. You said this is the time to be cutting asparagus. Yeah, you can cut some of it. You know, you don't necessarily have to cut it all down at once. But, you know, so in other words, start, you know, thinning it out. Okay, because I got some big stalks in there. That's right, what I was that's wondering. the ones you want to get rid of. Okay. So I'm assuming right. you've already harvested, right? 
Oh, yeah. My, mine comes up, starts up usually in April. Right, exactly. So just get rid of what I'm saying is you can do it all at once if you want to, but just getting rid of the, you know, the large stocks will just help the sort of the overall health of the colony. Okay. Get rid of the big ones. All right. Right. I almost, have, I almost have to cut them with an axe Right. I mean, <laughs> some of them get really huge. Yeah. And, uh, I've lost so many of them with, with, uh, through rotting because I <laughs> think I planted them too deep to start with. Uh-uh. Yeah. I probably got oh, maybe half of my bed left, but that half is doing doing good. I wish they all did that good. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. All right. Thank you very much. Certainly. Thank you my for pleasure. Your well, thanks. Right. Goodbye. And it uh, looks like we're probably, can we get a... Uh, Carol, can you do it real quick? I mean, really quick. Yeah, uh, my cucumber plants are losing their blossoms and not producing anymore. I just got two cucumbers. Why am I losing blossoms? Basically, probably the inconsistency of water. So, in other words, you know, too much rain and then you're not watering it. So, consistently keep any kind of edible plants watered routinely consistent. So usually any kind of blossom drop, whether it's on tomatoes, cucumbers, or anything else, is a result of inconsistent moisture. Well, I water them every day because I have them in a pot off my porch. Well, that might be the problem. Then that's too much, you know, too much watering. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. I mean, happy fourth. Same to you. And happy fourth to everybody else. I greatly appreciate it. And there are several, a few locations throughout the metropolitan area that are going to have fireworks. But, boy, it's a little bit depressing just in a way to think things have gone so crazy and nuts because of what we're all having to deal with. But I want, again, I appreciate everybody who has me on your show because if you weren't there, I I wouldn't be here. And I really enjoy and I have great fun. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.